Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Fans, it's time for another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast, Bears Banter, powered by Windy City Gridiron and SB Nation, Bill Zimmerman with you, and I am looking forward to today's podcast. The draft is in our rearview mirror. We are going to break it down with Brett Coleman. I'm sure you all know him well from Twitter. Great content, NFL Film Room on his YouTube channel, and of course, the Bootleg Football Podcast with Windy City Gridiron's own E.J. Snyder. You can check out Brett in a, just a few minutes. I'm going to ask Brett about the Bears' picks and kind of what the offseason has done, what he thinks of the NFC North overall. I'm really looking forward to that chat. But before we get Brett on, just want to give you a few thoughts, a few thoughts about what the Bears did there uh, at the end of April with the NFL draft. Overall, I am really pleased with what Ryan Poles pulled off in the draft, and, and, and we're going to kind of go over this. And I got a lot a lot of grief about some of my comments about the, the number nine pick and Jalen Carter versus Darnell Wright. And, and look, I, I want to explain myself, and I'll ask Brett what he thinks of Jalen Carter a, as well. And just because I said I would have drafted Jalen Carter and not Darnell Wright, you make you, some of you Bears fans make it seem like I think that Darnell Wright is trash and just and Jalen Carter is the only way to go. No, that is not what I am saying at all. I am saying that if it was my decision, I would have selected Jalen Carter. It is not my decision. It is Ryan Poles' decision. I was not in the meetings with Ryan Poles and, and Matt Eberflus about with with Jalen Carter and what he said about his his growth in terms of, you know, his maturity and, and the issue in January with, with, the, with the racing. I don't know what was said there. All I know is that I have seen the talent on Jalen Carter on the field and that his talent is elite. His talent from the defensive tackle position, the elite three-tech that the Matt Eberflus defense needs, his talent is potentially at another level. It is potentially at like an Aaron Donald type level. He is the only guy in the last several years since Aaron Donald has come out that has the potential ability inside like that to be a wrecker like Aaron Donald, like Warren Sapp was, like John Randall was. Like that is the type of guy that Jalen Carter is on the field. And if you don't want to touch him because of the character issues, that's fine. But I mean, you, you sit, you gotta calm down about some of the opinions. I'm gonna give you my opinion whether you like my opinion or think you know, you, my opinion is the greatest thing ever, or if you think I'm a complete moron, because that's what I do. I want to give you my opinions. I want to be honest. I want to say when I'm wrong, and I want to say, you know, uh, you know, hopefully I'm right, but I'm going to be wrong about plenty of things. Opinions, you know what they're like. Everyone's got one, and I just happen to put mine on a podcast. So I think Jalen Carter is going to be an outstanding NFL player. I think Darnell Wright is going to be a very good NFL player. I love the Darnell Wright selection. So we're, I'll ask Brett kind of what he thinks about Jalen Carter, and that's going to be kind of the end of Jalen Carter in terms of any conversation for me. He's not on the team. There's no point to keep talking about him. We move on. Because Darnell Wright is fantastic. He is an elite pass blocker. Elite pass blocker. He is going to step in and probably be the Bears' best pass blocker on day one. Right now, he's that good. I love that. That that is a philosophical change for this team, for this offense, for Luke Getzey and what he wants to do. 
adding the guys they did with Tyler Scott and DJ Moore and, and Chase Claypool last season, obviously, you know, Tanyan, they're, they're starting to focus on the passing game. And what did they do? They brought in Darnell Wright, who is the best pass blocker in this draft. He is that good. He is their immediate starter at right tackle. There isn't even competition. Larry Borum, who took his account private when the pick was made, Larry, relax, okay? You're a swing tackle. You're not good enough to start in the NFL. You know, you have some nice highlights here or there, but no, you're, you're not the guy. I'm sorry. Deal with it. You want to you wanna tell Ryan Poles he's wrong? Show it on the field. Show you're better than Darnell Wright if you got a problem with the pick. But Darnell Wright is a better player, obviously, and now suddenly the offensive line starts to take shape. I still don't like what they have at center. Clearly, Ryan Poles thinks what they have at center is satisfactory. I don't think Doug Kramer is an NFL player. I think Doug Kramer is a practice squad center. I don't think Doug Kramer has the balance and some of the ability to be a center at the NFL level. He might be a smart guy. He might be great at, 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 at blocking schemes. He might be great at reading defenses and, and, and you know, identifying blitzers. And, and he, he may be great at it. I'm not saying he is or he isn't. But from the what I saw on tape at Illinois, he's not a guy. Lucas Patrick was dreadful last year. Now we saw him for, what, five snaps at center? Maybe he will be better at center than he was at guard. But from what we saw last year, not an NFL player. And Cody Whitehair, who now is emerging as, as the starting center. And yes, I know Cody was a, was a pretty darn good center for, for several years in Chicago. But Cody Whitehair, that the Cody Whitehair I saw in December, maybe he was hurt. Because he played much better in September than he did in December. But at the same time, it also may be a body that has gone through, what, seven, eight seasons of NFL football maybe breaking down a little bit and may not be able to hold up over 17 games. And I just don't like what the Bears have at center right now. Ryan Poles does. You know, if it was me, I and I know he's an older prospect, but he's a finished prospect and he would have been starting day one. I would have taken John Michael Schmitz instead of Javon Dexter. That's what I would have done. And then suddenly, to me, if you're going Braxton, Tev, JMS, Nate Davis, and Darnell Wright, that is an offensive line that I would be excited about. But when you sit there and sit there and go, Cody Whitehair, and if he doesn't work out, Lucas Patrick, if he doesn't work out, Doug Kramer, I know they got a couple other guys who might be able to snap. I just don't like where the center position is right now. Again, you couldn't fix everything in one offseason. And the two, and you know, Poles tried to fix as much as he could. And the two things he has not fixed is edge and he has not fixed center. Now, is center good enough? Hopefully center's good enough because they've beefed up a lot around the center position, but 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 we'll see there. But I like what Wright brings. I like the fact that Wright, you know, field's naturally rolling out to his right side. Wright's going to be there. He's going to be able to, you know, neutralize guys in space, give fields a little more time and a little more space to, to do some things and potentially find guys deep, run, whatever he needs to do. I think that's a great pick for so many things. And if you look at the way things kind of, you know, how the draft went. If the Bears did not take a tackle, they would have had to take someone like Blake Freeland, who wasn't going to be able to start right away, the way, because all the tackles went, like early, they, they just weren't available. Even guys like Matthew Bergeron, who a lot of people think is a guard, the tackles wouldn't have been there later. Now, again, to me, if you don't take a tackle in round one, nine times out of 10, you don't have a tackle. Braxton Jones, you know, some of those guys, they are the exception to the rule. But for me, if you don't have a tackle in round one, you don't have a tackle. So if they had taken Jalen Carter, they would not have gotten a tackle. They would have had a tackle project like a Blake Freeland and said if that athletic profile would have developed into a good, good tackle. But he wouldn't have been starting at right tackle. You would have had to you know, either give it to Larry Borum or you would have had to have gone out and, and gotten like a Cam Fleming type to play right tackle. So when you look at it that way, getting Darnell Wright at, at 10 overall was a very smart move because obviously they still address defensive tackle in the second round with Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens. And, and those two picks, let's talk about them for a minute because I think the Javon Dexter pick is interesting. And I will fully admit, in terms of looking at, Gen uh, at NFL prospects and their tape, 
I really only done that in the last six, seven years. You know, I was not grinding tape on prospects in 2011, 2012. One of the first prospects that wasn't a high-end first-round prospect that I fell in love with before the draft was Jonathan Bullard. I was thrilled. I was through the moon that the Bears drafted him. Through the moon. His first step was magical to me. I, I just thought this guy is going to just dominate offensive lines. But Bullard, yeah, he stuck around. He was okay, but he never became the threat. I was ready to put Ryan Pace in the Hall of Fame with that pick. I loved it that much. But he just never really panned out. So when I sit there and say, oh, first step, first step, first step, you got to have a great first step. Jerron Dexter, at least right now, doesn't have a great first step. You look at his, his athletic profile, he should have a great first step, but he doesn't have one. So why doesn't he have one? Well, you know, according to Ryan Poles and the Bears, it's because it was a kind of a read and react defense for him. And that's why he didn't have a good first step. To me, that's why he plays too high. That's why his pad level is too high. Because it's a read and react thing, right? You gotta, you gotta actually see what's going on in the backfield before you determine what to do. So in that, I think that explains why his pad level was a little too high. That's easily correctable in my eyes. But he does not have a great first step. Now, does that mean he's a bust? No, it doesn't mean he's a bust. Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, they clearly think he has the potential to be a great defensive player. So they love the athletic profile. They saw some of the stuff he flashed at tape, on tape, and they're not worried about the lack of a first step. So I want to see what Dexter can do on the field. I'm excited to see what he can do on the field, but... Bears fans, if people are coming out and telling you you should be worried about Javon Dexter's first pick, you don't need to jump on them and sit there and say they're crapping on the pick or they're crapping on Ryan Poles. They're just giving you an opinion. And a lot of people have the opinion that Dexter may not be an NFL player because he doesn't get off the ball well. We'll see if Matt Eberflus and the defensive coaches can correct that. But right now, that's something that, go, you know, every rookie has something to work on, right? No rookie is a finished product. That basically never exists. So the fact that Javon Dexter, if he needs to get off the ball better, if that's what he needs to work on, that's what he's going to be working on all July and August. So we'll see how that improves by the time we, we get to week one. Zach Pickens, I think Zach Pickens could be a guy to really push the pocket and rush the passer from the inside, right? Going, you know, going into this season, potentially. I think he could potentially be an interior pass rusher. Like to me... The idea, if you're at third and 12 and you know you're you're in a pass passing situation and the Bears are on defense, you move Demarcus Walker inside with Zach Pickens. You put those two guys on the inside. And I think you've got a good interior pass rush that could do a lot of things. Now, they still don't have an edge that I like. You know, I think, you know, Walker's going to go inside and outside depending on, on the situation. I still would like to see him pick up an Ngakwe, someone like that, because suddenly on those pass blocking situations, you have, you know, whatever, Demarcus, Rob, uh, you know, Dominique Robinson or whoever it might be on, on one side, Travis Gibson on one side, Green on, on that other side. And you have Ngakwe with Pickens and Walker on the inside. You can generate a pass rush. I really think the Bears could do that. So there's some potential there to do some things along the defensive line with Dexter and with Pickens. You know, I think Dexter's more of a finished product in the run game, needs to improve his improve the pass rush, but has the athletic profile to do that. Pickens, more of a pass rusher, needs to improve the run defense. So maybe it's kind of a yin and yang, and they'll kind of offset each other, and, and they can play Dexter early downs, Pickens later downs. It'll be curious to see how they are utilized, because those two picks obviously go hand in hand. Other pick there on Friday was Tyreek Stevenson. I love this pick. I think this and Roshan Johnson were my two favorite picks because of the value of where you got them. I love the way the way Stevenson plays. I think Bears fans are going to love the way Stevenson plays. He guys aggressive. He hits, tackles. He is just that really good kind of Bears style defense in terms of the traditional Bears defense of what. Bears fans like to see. They're going to really like Stevenson. I think Stevenson's going to beat Vildor out. I think Stevenson's starting in that secondary week one. And I think that secondary with Stevenson, with Johnson, with Gordon, and then Brisker and Jackson at the safeties, not great depth, 
Vildor as your your fourth corner, okay. You know, Jalen Jones and Blackwell and no depth at safety. No depth at safety. So they need to stay healthy. But that top five, if it stays healthy and can be on the field, that is a good secondary. You pair that with the linebacking core that they, they bought in free agency with Jack Sanborn, and you've got a good back seven. And if these guys, if Dexter and Pickens and guys they picked up like Walker and Billings and stuff, if they can at least be below average, not terrible, just a below average defensive line with what they have in the back seven, they're going to be pretty darn good on defense. And before I wrap up here, let's talk running back and let's talk wide receiver with Roshan Johnson and Tyler Scott. I love this Johnson pick. I had him personally as my RB3. I thought he was the third best running back in this draft. And I think that that's a lot of different, you know, even people that like Johnson had him at RB4, RB5. I am RB3. That's me personally. I liked his size. I like his leadership. I like how he runs the football. I like that he can pass block. I like that he can catch, you know, if necessary. You know, he's not going to be an elite receiver. He's not Marshall Falk out of the backfield, but he's solid out of the backfield. I love what Johnson brings to this team. I think he is going to be the starting running back by week four, week five, kind of right around October 1st. I think you're going to see Johnson as the starting running back personally. I, I think you're still going to see that stable, right? You're not going to see Johnson getting 80% of the of the plays, but you're going to see Herbert out there. You'll still see Foreman out there. You'll see Homer out there. And of course, you'll see Johnson out there. They're all going to, you know, they get you know, at 70 snaps a game. You're going to see something like Johnson with 30 snaps, Herbert with 20 snaps, Foreman with 15 snaps, Homer with five snaps, something like that. So I, I think they've got really good depth at secondary. And I wrote an article about this. Not just do I think they have a really good running back room, but they have a, an affordable running back room, something they wouldn't have really have had with David Montgomery. And you can check out my piece if you want on Windy City Gridiron or Ryan Pohl's masterclass on running back value, because what he did with the running back position, the fact that I think he improved it, right? He gets rid of David Montgomery. He lets him walk. Montgomery gets three years, 18 million. He signs his replacement with Foreman, who gets one year and two million, three million, whatever, whatever Foreman was, you know, at much less the cost. He's got Herbert either way. He picks up Homer as, as a fourth running back, you know, compared to what he had last year with like Evans. Homer has some will have a role with this team. They gave him a two-year deal that shows you he is not just a guy who's going to get cut. They gave him a two-year deal. Foreman only got a one-year deal. And then you bring in Johnson, who's, you know, on, on a running back, uh, who's on a rookie rookie contract. So when you look at this and you look at if they would have spent on Montgomery, they probably wouldn't have had Foreman and they wouldn't have drafted Johnson. And now you've got Montgomery and Herbert. You still got the same duo, but you've got 18 million and you'd have to have about 9 million guaranteed to, to Montgomery. But now you have almost no money guaranteed, couple million, 3 million total guaranteed to this group. And you're spending less on the running back room per year, and you have a deeper running back room, and not only that, you traded down to get Roshan Johnson and then picked up a fifth-round pick. So when you have that much going on, I, I love the way Ryan Poles handled that, and I am excited for what this running back room is. And Tyler Scott, there is your deep threat for Justin Fields. There it is. Tyler Scott is a great deep threat. I am excited for what Tyler Scott will do for this offense. He does not need to be the second wide receiver. He doesn't need to be out on the field for 40, 50 snaps a game. He can be out on the field for 15 snaps a game, get three or four targets, have a couple, you know, a couple catches and really, you know, be that guy that Justin Fields can utilize to open up the passing game and stretch defenses. He is a great deep threat. He's a playmaker. I thought that was a great value where they got him, and that is an excellent, excellent pick for the Bears right there. And and beyond that, I think you know Noah Noah Sewell. I think that's an outstanding pick, a great value in round five. Terrell Smith. I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot about Terrell Smith, but a lot of people that that follow the draft closely think Smith was an outstanding 
value in the fifth round. And and Smith was and and um, Smith was the guy they they received with the Johnson trade. So when you think about the fact that they got Johnson and Smith for that one position there with the top of round four, great work there from Ryan Poles, a smart trade down and a great player to pick up there. And Travis Bell and Kendall Williamson, seventh round picks to me, they're lottery picks. We'll see how they pan out. If they do great, if they don't, you know, no, no sweat off the back because again, seventh round pick. So overall, I'm thrilled with what Ryan Poles has done here in the draft. You don't have to love every pick. No one's going to love every pick that the GM makes. You don't have to follow them blindly either. But if you look at what these guys do, these guys should all help this team out. A lot of them should be helping out in year one. And now you kind of see this roster really kind of taking shape and seeing an offensive line that should be able to adequately protect Justin. Wide receivers and running backs that are actual weapons with Cole Komet and Tanyan sitting there. You've got an offense with Justin Fields, and not only that, you have a defense that's vastly improved, that has a really good back seven. And like I said, if that front four on defense can be below average, you don't have to be great, they can be below average, the Bears are going to make big strides in 2023. And the big strides that can potentially put them in position to be a Super Bowl contender in 2024. So, Without further ado, we're going to get to Brett Coleman. He's going to join me on the other side of this break. Bill Zimmerman, Bears Banter. We'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back into the podcast. Excited for this guest. He's been on once before. He was on with his podcast partner from the Bootleg Football Podcast, E.J. Snyder, who, of course, is on this podcast plenty of times and was just the last guest before the draft to talk about kind of what he thought the Bears might do. And now his podcast partner, Brett Coleman, you'd probably know him well from the NFL Film Room, at Brett Coleman on Twitter. And if you're not following him on Twitter already, then you're doing Twitter like Elon Musk, and that is incorrectly. Brett Coleman joins us now. Brett, Bill Zimmerman, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, appreciate you jumping on. Want to kind of dive into the Bears and the NFC North and, and kind of how this is all going to shake out with the draft here. But uh, for those who may not be too familiar with you, I, I want to ask you, where are you with your your Bears fandom? I know you, you've struggled with the Texans at times and you were thinking about a, a, adopting the Bears. And so for fans who kind of don't know where you're at, are you are you still full in on the Bears or, you know, are you after a, a three and 14 season? Are you a little skeptical? Oh, yeah. No, I'll, I'll always love the Bears. Just like, you know, so full disclosure, I have Texans fandom going back to when I was a kid because my dad lived in Houston. And then uh, when I was in high school, my dad moved to Chicago and he lived he lived in the loop over off Van Buren for a long time. Um, and, you know, he, he was in Chicago for many years. Uh, and so I adopted the Bears. I was like, I mean, I want to root forever. My dad is. So I adopted the Bears as my convenient NFC team. Uh and it's just been downhill ever since. So I feel like, I feel like I'm the bad luck charm. But you know, I uh, my biggest uh, contingent of of fans that watch my content are Bears fans, and I have a, a deep love for uh, for Bears fans in general. And obviously, you know, having a connection to the team with my dad being a a Chicago native for for quite a bit when he was working there before he retired, and now he's back in California. But um, I, I feel like I have enjoyed a lot of lows with the Bears, 
Uh, I've enjoyed a lot of lows with the Texans, and I'm waiting for one of them, any of them, to just <laughs> give me like one high. That's all I want. Yeah, it, it's it, it's been a long wait for any anyone who who loves the Bears and and really is under the age of forty. You other than a little brief couple of years with Lovey, there there really hasn't been you know maybe 2018 with the double doink. There hasn't been too much to to get too excited about with this team. Yeah. So hopefully things are changing here with with Justin Fields and all. And and obviously Ryan Poles has done a lot to help Justin Fields this off season. Nate Davis, and of course, in the first round, Darnell Wright. We'll get into you know DJ Moore and the receivers here uh, when we get to the Tyler Scott pick. But in terms of Darnell Wright taking him tenth overall, was that a pick that that you? I mean, with Broderick Jones still out there, Peter Skaronsky still out there, was that a pick you liked for for this Bears offensive line? Yeah, because it made sense, right? They they are really prioritizing, I think, pass protection because they really couldn't get into the drop back pass game at all last year. Um, you know, Braxton, I feel like, performed admirably for a rookie. He definitely had some growing pains, got better as the year went on. But um, the interior was absolutely a problem. And, and I think that uh, at times right tackle was also uh, a problem. And so they wanted to at least shore up the right tackle position, um, which I think solidified, you know, Tev is going to be a guard for them. I think we're kind of done with the whole is he a tackle, is he a guard yep. thing. He's going to be a guard for them. Um, and they're really prioritizing, can we pass protect on a five-step drop with five and not get Justin killed? And if there's one reason why you take Darnell Wright, it's because he can do that. you know. And he pitched shutouts against some very good uh, SEC edge rushers, including Will Anderson. So he's going to face guys like that every single week in the NFL. And if he can do it once, they're banking he can do it 17 times. Yeah, and that, that was the thing. I think a lot of people kind of jump, you know, that you just see this kind of this you know, the big kind of the big nasty kind of offensive line is kind of what the, the what you get when when you look at Darnell Wright, but then find out that the pass protection is really where he excels. And like you said, so, some of the elite edge rushers in the SEC that he did a fabulous job against. I, I think that's interesting. And I think that I mean, yeah, he's a natural right tackle, and obviously that's gonna help help as well. But I think that is probably kind of a, a hint as well, the pick in terms of maybe a bit of a philosophy shift this season for the Bears offense, the fact that obviously they were beyond run heavy in, in 2022, and you really want to see them kind of open up the passing game and seeing what Justin can do in the passing game if he can have time. Uh, you know. And, and the other thing I like is obviously Justin's going to be naturally rolling out to the right side, and that's where Darnell's going to be to hopefully give him more space to work over there as well. So I think in terms of making that right pick, it really kind of showed a lot in terms of opening up what – the Bears could do offensively, you know, with Justin in the passing game. Yeah, and, and I think that if you have a foundation of a good tackle duo, you can get away with a lot. You can get away with a lot in the pass game. And also Justin himself can get away with a lot in terms of how he works in the pocket, right? Because if you have two tackles, and, you know, Braxton isn't there yet, but athletically he's so gifted that maybe he could eventually right but if you have two tackles that can completely erase an angle to the back of the pocket all of a sudden that gives justin so much more freedom where he doesn't have to stick it like an eight yard depth he can maybe get away with going to nine yards maybe 10 yards even and just kind of sitting really really far back at the pocket which then helps out the interior because they got more of a runway to work with too so that's kind of why teams prioritize tackle is because if you have somebody who can get to the landmark and choke off that angle better than most other tackles, and of course better than the edge rushers they're lined up against, it helps out the interior guys because now the the quarterback doesn't have to choke up so much and doesn't have to step up into the interior as quickly. So it, it's kind of a, a, a holistic approach that I totally agree with. Yeah, let, let me ask you one more thing about the first round pick before before we move into some other things. And that's someone they did not pick. And, and I think a lot of Bears fans were curious if Ryan Poles would would make the move to select Jalen Carter. He was sitting there at nine, obviously decided to do the swap move back to 10 to take take right. I had asked EJ, uh, your, you know, your partner, EJ Snyder, this before the draft, if he was there at nine. I also asked Jacob Infante, who you know knows the draft well for Windy City Gridiron, and they both said they would have taken Carter over right, even with the possible question marks there. So if, uh, you know, if it was up to you, do you think Carter would have been the right move there, or do you like the idea of sticking with offensive line with right? My thing with Carter is 
Yes, the potential is sky high. He could absolutely be the best player in the draft. He has to go to the right team to do that. And so it's not, is Carter a better player? Yes, he's a better player. It's, would he have been a better player on the Bears? That's the question. And I think him in Philly is the support system he needs to reach that potential. And I'm, I'm sure, I guarantee you, in four years when Jalen Carter is like an all-pro, people are going to be like, oh my God, the Bears passed on him. Would he have been an all-pro in Chicago without the same veteran structure around him? Like if Robert Quinn was still there to guide him, maybe. You know, if Akeem was still there to guide him, maybe. But I don't, I don't see the same... I don't see the same veteran presence in Chicago specifically that can, you know, take Jalen Carter by the scruff and get him to be where he needs to be. There's no Calais Campbell here. Again, there's no Akeem here. There's no Fletcher Cox here. And and Rob isn't there anymore either. So I think Jalen Carter on the Bears and Jalen Carter and the Eagles are two very different stories. And so I think the, the Darnell Wright pick was the correct one because of that. All right. Well, while we're on the defensive line, and I, I think that's that's a very fair point. Uh, defensive line they addressed in round two with, with two spots. Well, you know, Pickens was technically the first of, uh, of round three, but Zach Pickens first pick of round three, and Jervon Dexter in, in the second round. The, the the Pickens pick hasn't gotten as much attention in in the local Chicago media because they've been virtually obsessed with the Dexter pick because of the fact that when you watch tape and that tape starts circling out there you see how slow he's getting off the ball in a lot of occasions and that of course has been the talk of Chicago media is is Dexter going to be able to get off the ball they're asking Ryan Poles about it they're talking about what the scheme was in Florida and that's why it looks like he's he's slower than most so with, with that kind of in mind I know like Todd McShay said he loved the the Pickens pick he called it one of the best value picks of the draft so with those two guys with Dexter and Pickens how do you think they will do uh, across the Bears defensive front? Dexter's the better player by a lot to me. There, there's a reason why he went in the second round. And yeah, the whole um, slow off the ball thing, I understand why people are, are concerned because we always think of defensive line play is like, you got to be fast. You got to be fast. You got to penetrate, penetrate. That's not the school of thought that every single defensive line coach has. There are defensive line techniques and there are guys who are taught that you don't really go forward and make a move and step in the bucket until you read what the block is are you getting a base block are you getting a scoop block are they in a pass pro posture um are you getting a pull key if you fire off the ball and the center's pulling or the guard is pulling and you step in the bucket that makes it easier for you know the guy next to you to back block you but if you don't fly off the ball and you get a pole key, now you can scrape over the top and do your job as a defensive lineman. So I think people get way too obsessed with, oh, what's the first step like? If he's coached to not really have a first step, that's not his fault. Athletically, he is very explosive. Athletically, he could have a good first step if that's what he's coached to do. So I just I think people and, and – I just want people to watch like one defensive line clinic. That's all. <laughs> like just, just watch one clinic and they'll understand that like coaching matters and scheme matters and techniques matter. Um, I'm not worried about it at all. That being said, when, when you watch Dexter on tape, um, there, there's a defensive line technique called lock peak shed. And there was a particular rep against Georgia and their center where, uh, you know, he locks out on the Georgia center peaks, gets the running back to kind of go the other way sheds him like literally tosses this grown man uh to the side and gets the tackle at the line of scrimmage he does that all the time he's like the best other than you know probably jalen carter and mozzie smith he's the best guy in this class at doing that lock peak shed of just completely dominating the offensive lineman in front of him locking out and shedding him and he's going to be a phenomenal run stopper just on that ability alone first step be damned as a pass rusher he's still underdeveloped for sure but athletically, I think he could get there. Um, you look at the Pickens pick by contrast. He is a pure pass rusher. He is a pure penetrator. That is all I want him to do. Third and seven, fine. He can be on the field. First and 10, absolutely not. He cannot stop the run. He gets blown off the ball. Watch him against Arkansas and Ricky Stromberg. And Ricky Stromberg takes his lunch money. 
you know, puts him in the toilet and gives him a swirly. It is ugly. <laughs> it is ugly. He is a third down player only for now until he learns to stop the run. He's like the bizarro Dexter. It really is. Like he cannot be on the field on early downs or they will run him over every play. He will, they will get five yards of carry in his gap every play. So I was less enthusiastic about that pick because I see him as only somebody who's like a third and long player, which most downs in the NFL are not going to be third and seven. So it's like, if you're getting like eight reps a game, you know, compared to Dexter where he's getting 35, you know? So I I don't know. I, I wasn't super enthusiastic about that pick. Again, he's got a lot of potential, but he can't, can't be on the field on early downs. He just can't. And, and yeah, and and I think I think you know going back to Dexter for a second, I thought thought you made a good point, and you know, and this is I think you know every, everyone, especially when you're looking at draft, everyone's going to make mistakes. You know, obviously GMs are making mistakes, so guys watching tape and don't even have the full picture in terms of medicals and some stuff. Obviously, you know they're not doing interviews. You know they're going to make mistakes too. And when I was first kind of really starting to dive in the tape was you know about five six years ago. And I was ready to put Ryan Pace in the Hall of Fame when he drafted another Florida def- defensive lineman, Jonathan Bullard, because yeah. I loved that first step. I'm like, this guy's going to be in the backfield before, you know, you know, before the balls in the quarterback's hands. And, you know, he, he stuck around for, for a while. He's had an NFL career, but certainly not not the type of guy I, I thought he would be. So, I, you know, I do think there is more to, you know, like you said, looking at the full picture. Obviously, the athletic profile with Dexter, Dexter is phenomenal. And I think that's 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 interesting with 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 him and kind of the way you're talking about and what he can do. Now, I know Poles talked about positional flexibility with him. Do you think he's more of a one tech or do you think he can excel out at the three tech? I think he could do both. Honestly, I think he could do both. Um, I would even put him at, if they're going in an odd fronts, I put him at five technique, too. Um, he's one of the rare guys that I think can kind of do <laughs> whatever uh, now. Is he as good of a one tech as like Mozzie Smith? Probably not, right? He plays a little bit high, but in terms of strength and when he's just one-on-one, there's no center that's blocking him. Absolutely no center that's blocking him. The the one thing is I just want him to play a little bit lower so he can take on angle blocks sure. and stuff like that at, at the nose spot like Mozzie does, but it's not that far off. And I think that he can grow into that. And that's where I wonder, you know, in terms of, you know, him playing a little high is how much of that was trying to read and react. You know, I think think when you do that, you tend to get a little higher. So uh, I am curious, curious about that. But they did have one other pick in the second round. I want to get your uh, thoughts on. I really like this pick right when they made it. I was excited because I just love the way this guy plays. And and that's Tyreek Stevenson on Miami, the, the cornerback there. I think they're going to see if he can start week one on the outside and bump Kyler Gordon in, in at the nickel. I think that's going to be a smart move if he's ready to go right away. I'm not a big Kindle Vildor fan. I think, you know, there's definitely an opening there for, for Stevenson to, to come in. What would you think of that selection? I loved it. I thought it was amazing. Um, and I agree. I think he's going to start day one outside and you put Kyler in the, in the nickel where he seems to be more comfortable uh, to me. I think he's, he's more comfortable inside. Um, and Tyreek is more comfortable outside because he gets to line up and press coverage and just beat people up. That's what he's good at. <laughs> uh, and I think that in terms of playing the ball through the catch point, other than the top two guys, which were uh, you know Christian Gonzalez and, and Devin Witherspoon, Tyreek was the best corner in this class at never giving up. At you know he's in phase, balls in the receiver's hands. Before he gets to the ground, I'm going to get it out of his hands. He never quits on a rep. He's so physical. He's so feisty. You know, long speed is fine. You know, it's above average. He, he's not a, he's not like a burner who, you know, you will never get away from like Gonzalez and, and like Weatherspoon, right? Or with it, when Weatherspoon's healthy. You know, there, there are some guys in the league who I think will get a step on him vertically. But as long as he has a say in it where he can beat you up the line of scrimmage, he's going to make you work hard to get that step. And he's going to make it a really tough throw. And even if you do get that step, he's still going to be right behind you and trying to rake that ball out, you know, as you're going to the ground. So I really, really, really like Tyreek Stevenson. He is as solid a corner prospect as they come and somebody who I agree probably will and should start week one. Yeah, I, I, I was like, when that pick happened, it was just kind of one of those, that's it, right right there, especially coming off the Dexter pick, which I was I was a little, you know, I, you're higher on it than I am, and that's 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 great. I trust your opinion more than I trust mine. But uh, 
but yeah, that, that root pick I, I felt really good about. But uh, before I get into a couple NFC North teams with you, I want to ask you about the fourth round for the Bears because they, they addressed offense there with two guys I think a lot of Bears fans are really excited about. In fact, when EJ was on this podcast before the draft and we talked about how the Bears should address the running back position, should they take a day three running back? And both of us thought they should. And EJ specifically mentioned Roshan Johnson and thought he would be a phenomenal selection if he was there on a day three. And sure enough, not only was he available on day three, the Bears were able to trade down, pick up a fifth round pick and still grab him. I think that's a pick a lot of Bears fans are excited about. I mean, you know, he's, you know, how how many teams would he have been RB1 on, you know, probably, you know, you know, 110 out of uh, division one teams. He's that good. He just happened to be behind Bijan. I I think that's one a lot of Bears fans are excited about. I'm excited about it. What do you think of his fit in Chicago? He is an absolute machine. And in terms of efficiency per carry, I'm not saying he's Bijan, but in terms of efficiency per carry, he was even above Bijan in a lot of key metrics. In terms of yards after contact per attempt, he was at 4.3. Bijan was at 4.1. In terms of missed tackles forced per attempt, Bijan, I think, was 12th in all the FBS at like 0.28. Roshan was first out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of FBS running backs. He was first at 0.35. He breaks an insane amount of tackles. And he just didn't get that many carries because, again, Bijan is incredible and obviously should have been drafted ahead of Roshan. But Roshan was drafted later than I thought he would have been because he is such a talented runner. Um, You know, former uh, high school quarterback. He was a a four-star dual threat quarterback. So you can kind of do some fun stuff in the red zone with him, by the way. Uh, They ran some Wildcat stuff at Texas with him that was very effective. You could do that with the Bears, too. Um, You know, can absolutely block on third downs. And I think he's at least going to get on the field as a rookie for that, you know, can catch passes a little bit. Not that he's as good of a receiver as Bijan was, but very few running backs ever have been as good of receivers as Bijan was, but he's still absolutely functional. Um, But just how hard he is to get on the ground, how talented he is. I love Khalil Herbert. I say this is somebody who had Khalil Herbert ranked fourth in my rookie running back rankings when he was coming out. I had him in my top four. People thought I was nuts. (laughs) And then Khalil Herbert became Khalil Herbert. I think Roshan might be better. I I really do. I think he might start. And and I love Khalil. I still think Roshan might start. Yeah, I I think especially, and you brought up the pass blocking, and I think so many rookie running backs really struggle in that department because they've been such feature backs their whole lives. It's not something they're asked to do that much. And you just, you know, you see it all the time. Like you, when you're looking at draft profiles or watching tape, you're like, all right, well, this guy needs to work on pass blocking. This guy needs to work on pass blocking. The fact that he can be out there on all, you know, on every down and being able to know that that is a guy who's going to be able to help protect Justin Fields, which is kind of the key of this entire season. The fact that he's there, I think accelerates his, you know, his time on the field as a rookie. I, I sent out a tweet after the pick. You know, I know I know Foreman's a nice player and I know Herbert can run the ball. I like Herbert as more of an RB2 as that that change of pace guy when he's just running the football because Herbert's a guy who struggles in pass pro and and, and certain things like that. I, I think he could be the Bears starting running back with him in about the first four or five weeks of the season. I'm I, I I'm that high on him. Yeah, and you know, I said oh he'll get third down work, but uh, because of pass blocking, but also you have to think a lot of modern offenses, you've got checks at the line of scrimmage if you get a favorable pass look on first down just because they call a run on first down doesn't mean it's going to be a run right if justin gets the line of scrimmage and he's like "Mm, we got a millfield close look here i got a one-on-one outside with dj moore on a corner who i know he can beat let me check to a pass play oh man but they got the nickels kind of looking at me funny let me get to a six-man pass protection are you trusting Khalil Herbert on first down on that or Roshan, right? It, right? So he might get some early down work as well, because if they feel like they can't check into pass plays, they want to check into because they, they don't trust the six man pass protection with Herbert on the field. That's how Roshan gets on the field even more. Right? So if, if your offense is more flexible with him on the field, he's going to be on the field. Yeah. 
and and switching over to the other skill positions on offense at wide receiver. Obviously, I want to t- get your opinion on Tyler Scott, but also kind of how this this wide receiver core has evolved because you know week one of 2022. Darnell Mooney was obviously the, the the ace out there at wide receiver, but you're talking about St. Brown, you're talking Pringle, you're talking Pettis. I mean, this this was as weak of a wide receiver group in the NFL. And in one, one off season and obviously the in-season trade last year, I don't think anyone thinks trading Chase Claypool for this 32nd pick is a good value. But at the same time, adding Chase Claypool to the group, obviously getting DJ Moore from the Panthers for that first overall pick trade, big there and adding Tyler Scott. Now suddenly St. Brown is not, you know, wide receiver two, he's wide receiver five, you know, kind of thing, you know, potentially on this team. And suddenly you've got depth and you've got players who can make plays for Justin Fields. So what do you think of kind of how polls has, you know, evolved the wide receiver group and, and specifically what are your thoughts on Tyler Scott? Another guy bears fans are excited about. You know, with Scott specifically, I see him as like a complimentary uh, like Z receiver. I never want him on the line of scrimmage. You know, that's going to be DJ Moore. It's going to be Darnell to a degree. Uh, I never want Tyler Scott on the line of scrimmage because he will get beat up by press coverage. Uh, you watch the Temple game with him specifically, and they beat the tar out of him at the line of scrimmage. It was bad. Um, I will say as a deep threat, though, when he's given a free release as a Z receiver, his deep speed is is real. It's legit. And his ball tracking ability deep down the field is real and is legit. So as that guy who's going to come in and get like two catches, but they're both going to go for 20 yards, that's valuable because chunk plays uh, dr- dramatically increase your odds of, of a scoring drive, sure. right? So if he's just getting chunk plays two times a game, that's well worth the pick. And I think that's what he will do. He's not – I don't think he's ever going to be um, Mooney. Uh, and I don't think that he's he, he's definitely not going to be DJ Moore. But if he's like not Batman, not Robin, but Alfred, that I think I, I would absolutely see for him in that role. And overall, you know, the fact that he doesn't have to be the wide receiver too is a blessing because in past bear seasons, he would have had to be the wide receiver too. Right. I don't <laughs> think he can be, right? Looking at the weapons that Poles has accumulated with more uh, with you know, obviously Darnell's been there, but uh, you know, out adding in Scott, adding in Roshan, you know, they they got lucky and got Khalil. Um, even Cole Komet's improved, right? Like sure. th- this, this feels like the first time in a long time that the Bears have had real weapons, and I think that it just goes to show that this is the investment that the Bears have made to try to get an accurate evaluate uh, an accurate evaluation of Justin Fields so that they can determine are we paying him 200 million or not right and I think that they wouldn't know if they didn't give him weapons to work with because it wouldn't be a fair evaluation yeah and that's that's going to be a big evaluation this year because uh, you know if the Bears are three and 14 again odds are Justin Fields is not the guy or suffered some horrible injury. And, and they're going to be sitting there looking at, you know, Mayor or Williams next year, potentially. So I, I think they've done that. They're going to give him ample protection. They're going to give him, you know, enough weapons. And certainly there, there's not going to be excuses this year for Fields. If, uh, you know, if he, you know, and I think a lot of Bears fans are excited. I think there's still some lingering doubt on some, you know, with in terms of the passing game and what he can do, quick game, things like that. But I think, you know, the elite deep ball, obviously the playmaking skills were, were on display all last season. I think this is the season for Justin Fields to really break out. I think a lot of Bears fans believe that. Obviously, Poles, Getze, and Eberflus believe that. Do you think that Justin Fields is, is breaking out this season, if you had to guess? Oh, absolutely. Because if you look back, and so last season was perfect for the Bears, right? Because they were in games. They were entertaining, but they lost. So, <laughs> so they still got the first overall pick. But the only reason they were even in those games was because of Justin. They had no business being in like four or five of those things that they ended up losing late. The only reason they even had a shot was Justin. Not just as a runner, but also as a thrower too. There were some dimes that he dropped deep down the field. So I'm still a big believer in his talent. Um, even when he was coming out, you know, I saw it as like a 1A, 1B situation with, with T-Law and him. And Lawrence didn't look good as a rookie. And then he actually got a structure around him that right. wasn't complete crap. And it's like, oh, my God, Trevor Lawrence is a good quarterback. Who knew? 
Like, yeah. Like, it's same thing's going to happen with Justin, right? You get him weapons, you get him protection, you get him, a, you know, competent offense compared to uh, compared to his first year. And magically, he looks like a good quarterback. I guarantee you that's going to be the narrative. Like, what changed with Justin Fields? The things around him. <laughs> that's what <Right>. changed. <laughs> All right, before I let you go, just a couple quick thoughts on the other NFC North teams. Uh, let's start with the Detroit Lions, who I think most people will think will probably win the division this year, and that's something we haven't said much in the last 30 years. But a lot of I like what they did Friday. A lot of people like their draft overall. I don't love what they did on Thursday because I'm a big fan of draft value, and you know I kind of made the joke that you know he's uh, that uh, Brad Holmes is Sonny Weaver going uh, running back and, and middle <laughs> inside linebacker in round one. But uh, what did you think of the Lions draft overall and, and how much that could potentially help them this season? You know, if you just kind of move the Brian Branch and Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell picks and just kind of reorder them and you just pretend <laughs> they went in that order, it feels a lot better, right? <laughs> um, but no, the, the thing that fascinated me about the Gibbs pick was they said, oh, we would have taken him at six. If we if we really needed to, and I'm like, wait a minute, Bijan was at the board. Right, six. right. It's like you're telling me you would have taken him over Bijan, and they're like, yeah, we love his receiving ability. Yeah, Bijan's also Bijan, a great receiver, right. by the way. So <laughs> that that was that was a little. I was like, are you lying to me? Just to like gas up the pick, like that made zero sense. And I get it; everybody sees prospects differently. But like, we're talking about maybe the best running back prospect in how many years right you didn't have him as rb1 it's just it's an interesting interesting position to have to me yeah i i was i'm with you on that that one uh you know that that was an odd quote from from holmes to say the least but uh but obviously look the lions have a lot of skill they you know gibbs is going to help that team obviously they've got receivers when they're not suspended you know that's that, that that's a team that's going to be able to score some points and and you know they, they seem to be going on the right track the question with them of course is going to be how much can Jared Goff bring them uh do you look at Hendon Hooker as an NFL QB I mean I, he's, he's older he's got the injury he's got a lot going against him but you know he is kind of that classic leader that kind of classic guy you'd want a quarterback in, in a lot of intangibles so to speak so what what are you thought what are your thoughts on hooker if he is the golf replacement in the year or two you know the the age isn't that big of a deal to me because again quarterbacks tend to play for a long time right so it's it's like okay you know you're getting 10 years out of him instead of 15 like it's still 10 years that's if he hits right um the thing that that concerns me a little bit not even a little bit concerns me a lot is I don't know how to translate the Tennessee offense to to the NFL. I really don't. Um, NFL teams don't really run deep choice like that, or ever for most of them. Uh, and, and you know they made they made an entire offense out of side dishes rather than entrees, and it worked because in college the hashes are super wide. You know you can get away with lining up a receiver two yards from the boundary, or in some cases two feet from the boundary, and you have. 35 yards of lateral space between where the ball is being let go. Uh, and it's just too much grass for, for a DB to cover, especially at the college level, right? Not, not every SEC DB is amazing. And so you got all these, you know, uh, future office workers guarding Jalen Hyatt with an unreasonable amount of space. Who's just running deep choice all day. And you're reading half the field and it's like, okay, let's just throw to his leverage. It's not something that can translate to right. the NFL. And so I don't, I don't know what to do with him because it, not only is he coming off the ACL and he's got to take time to recover and all that kind of stuff, but I don't know how long it's going to take him to learn NFL verbiage and understand NFL progressions and just understand NFL offensive structure. I don't know how long it's going to take. I'm not saying he can't do it, but without being in the room with him, you know, without being able to sit down and talk football with him and get that comfort level of like he understands an NFL offense, uh, I I just don't I don't know what to do. And so I'm just kind of like, hey man, you you guys do you. If you get him there, you get him there, great. But if it was me, with the information that I have available to me, I would have probably gone a different direction. All right. Let's move over to Minnesota really quick. What what did you think of their draft? Because the one thing I saw post-draft that was the most interesting thing to me about the Vikings is that their, their group of selections, none of them had good RAS scores. 
none of them have those athletic profiles at, at their positions, which, you know, is kind of with that Viking front office, that surprised me that that's not something they were looking for. What'd you think of the Vikings draft overall? You know, I don't want to say that they were drafting for need because I do think they got appropriate value at a lot of their picks, but you could definitely tell they had certain positions that they were not going to leave the draft without. Um, they definitely needed corner help and receiver help. Those were the first two things they drafted. Right. Jordan Addison, I think, is going to be a great number two for Justin Jefferson. And I don't know if I ever thought that Addison would have been a number one in the NFL. Um, I think he does profile as like a top end number two, similar to like a Tyler Lockett type of type of deal, right? Tyler Lockett is a number one. We're kind of like, eh, I don't know about that. Tyler Lockett being a compliment to DK Metcalf. Now we're cooking with gas, right? I see it as a similar type of role. He could play inside. He could play outside more outside as a Z rather than an X, just because he is a little bit small. Um, but as a slot assassin, love that pick for them, even though he his his upside isn't the same as like a Jonathan Mingo. Um, I still think that for what he offers them and the role that he would play, he was still the correct pick. Uh, Makai Blackman, I absolutely love that pick. Uh, I think it's a perfect fit for them. Um, they got him all the way in round three. I thought he could have gone round two and it would have made total sense. Like him and Tyreek Stevenson, you, you put them right next to each other and ugh, take either one. I'm good with it. Gotcha. So the fact that they got him around later was awesome. Um, very physical press man corner, easy gas, uh, just, you know, effortlessly stays stride for stride down the field. Very productive. They targeted him a lot at USC and he still had 17 pass breakups and three picks on top of that. Ultra competitive, um, great technician. You know, sometimes like tackling, I think is kind of like a, it's not that he's a bad tackler. He's just not a very enthusiastic tackler. So that's kind of like the, the knock that I have on him. But I thought he was a great pick and a perfect fit for, for what I think Flores wants with that defense, which is guys that can play man and beat people up. All right, and let's wrap this up with the Packers. Obviously, Bears fans always interested to see what's going on north of Green Bay. I think a lot of Bears fans are excited that that a certain someone is now in the Big Apple and not <laughs> in Green Bay. I think a lot of us have had seen enough of him. But, you know, think kind of interesting. I think a lot of people have kind of looked at the Packers draft and going, I don't know how much this draft is going to help them this year. This might have been kind of more of a big picture, long-term draft. Then you see the Jordan Love contract where he gets extended but it, it doesn't exactly boost a ton of confidence from the Packers side or from Jordan Love's side, for that matter, kind of settling in on a contract like that. I, th I thought that was interesting. Where, where Obviously, I know the Packers kind of need to do a salary cap reset. and They're kind of in a, a difficult spot in a lot of ways. But where are you with the Packers and the direction they're headed right now? I, I think they're kind of an interesting case. This is a draft for 2024 and 2025, not for 2023. Like you said, they are punting on 2023. They're like, look, we understand we can't beat Detroit right now. They probably can't even beat Chicago right now, if I'm being realistic. Like, I think Chicago's got a better roster than them, and they definitely got a better quarterback than them. So I, I, they're, at best, third in the NFC North. They're probably fourth in the NFC North. So, again, they're drafting for future contributors, and they're not, they're not sweating it which is probably the right approach. Like, I don't think there was any draft that could have saved them this year and made them NFC North contenders. I just don't think the overall roster is there. So they did the right thing. That being said, you know, there was a lot of fans confused about um, the, not just getting tight end early, but double dipping at tight end, right? So early. And it's like, okay, well, we, you know, we took one, we took Musgrave early. Like why come back that quickly for Tucker Craft? That's the point. They don't want to have to live in 11 personnel. They want to live in 12 personnel and 21 personnel and 22 personnel. If we're counting DeGuara as like a fullback H-back type, not a true tight end. They would love to just have big bodies on the field, but more importantly, big bodies that they can flex out to play receiver so that they can, you know, get the defense into base looks to match up against all these 12 and 22 personnel runs. And then all of a sudden you're putting Musgrave out wide and you're putting Tucker Craft in the slot and you got some like linebacker that runs four seven on Luke Musgrave and saying, go cover him. Like, and he can't do it. So they're, I honestly, I think they're trying to recreate like the early, early 2010s um, Patriots offense 
where they did that a lot. They came out in heavier personnel groupings and then spread out to empty because they had the tight ends to do it. Uh, the Chiefs did that. Like they, the Chiefs majored in in twelve and thirteen personnel last year, and they were arguably the best offense in the league. So I think they're kind of taking a key from that of big bodies are coming back and they're trying to get ahead of that curve while they can. Do you think, and, and this is kind of where I'm, I think the roster, while obviously it's got plenty of flaws, as, as you mentioned, I think it's still overall, it's got too much talent in too many spots. Could you see this as a very quiet, like you said, punting on 2023, but in a little bit of ways, kind of maybe tanking a little bit to potentially be in the, you know, I, I think whoever's number one, unless something bizarre happens, isn't trading out of that spot, in my opinion, but potentially being in a position to maybe go up there and grab a Drake May if Jordan Love isn't the guy. If the Packers get Caleb Williams, Chicago will burn to the ground. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think the Packers roster is bad enough to be 2-15 and 15 and sit there for, for Caleb Williams. Oh, Rashawn Gary has a hangnail. Guess he's out for a month. Ooh, <laughs> like that's... If they pull that shit and they get Caleb Williams, I'm going to lose my mind. Even Drake May, too. Like, it's just, come on, just be bad for 10 years. Right. Just do it. Take your medicine. God. I, I just, I, I just, I just, part of me just feels like it might be a quiet tank. I don't know. It might be a loud tank by October. We'll have to see. <laughs> we'll have to see. I, I will say this, though. Like, Caleb Williams is making so much money at USC. If he doesn't like who's at number one, he doesn't have to come out. That's something that people aren't aren't talking about. But like now that NIL is a thing, right? Players aren't desperate for the money anymore. If he thinks that he's he has a better chance of getting a, a Pat Mahomes style half billion dollar contract by not going to the wrong organization, if the wrong organization, whoever that may be, in his opinion, is at number one, he could still go back to USC and make another like six to ten million dollars as a senior and chill and you know better luck next year right so i think the packers would be a team that he would come out for yeah that's the wrong team not the wrong organization unfortunately (laughs) it's not the wrong organization but like (laughs) you know or or it might be a thing of like if the wrong team is at number one all of a sudden the packers are like well he's not going to you so we'll trade up and that's also a nightmare scenario because then they don't even have to be the worst team they could just be mediocre and still get them so that scares the hell out of me yeah, that's why, like, Jordan Love being just not awful, but not good is kind of the goal, <laughs> right? Just kind of stick the Packers going 7 and 10 every year. Yeah. Like that, that's 9 and 8, baby. Because I'm old enough to remember the Packers without a quarterback. Those were wonderful days. I remember Lynn Dickey. Like, that's, that's, the, that's the Packers I want. I, I I really just want to see just for, give me a few years. That's all. I want them to be in it until weeks week eighteen every year, and then just not make it. Like that's <laughs> that's ideal, right? Like you don't get to be in the playoffs, and you don't get a top ten pick. Perfect, love it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, there he is at Brett Coleman. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, and of course check out the film room on YouTube, and also check out with EJ Snyder the Bootleg Football Podcast. Phenomenal football content. You will not be sorry if you check it out. Brett, thanks for so much time. Really appreciate it. Really enjoyed the chat. Thanks for having me. All right. There he is, Brett Coleman. Quick break. We'll be right back to wrap this puppy up. Bill Zimmerman, Bears Banter. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Welcome back into the podcast. Brett Coleman. Follow Brett Coleman on Twitter. Like I said, you're not doing it right if you're not following Brett Coleman on Twitter. He's great for twitter content phenomenal for twitter content and like i said check out his youtube page a lot of really good content there and you know he, he does nfl content but you know there is a definitely a, a bears angle right a bears angle to his content so you know he'll, he'll get you plenty of justin fields content he will break things down and he does it in a fabulous way that if you are not a a tape junkie 
you, he'll teach it to you so you, you understand what you're looking at. And if you are a tape junkie, then you know you'll enjoy how he kind of dives through this tape and, and and breaks down what he sees. So, you know, overall he's he's pretty darn pleased. He seemed pretty down pretty down on that Zach Pickens pick. You know, he, he really does not trust him in the run game, and I get it. He he definitely needs improvement in the run game. And, you know, maybe he is just kind of a pass-rushing defensive tackle. We'll see how the Bears want to utilize him. He likes the Dexter pick. He really thinks he's going to develop into something special. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I have some reservations about the pick, but let's see how he gets coached this year. He's got the athletic profile. We know that. He's got the size. He's got strength. We'll see what Matt Eberflus can do with him on the defensive side of the football. So, and again, he's a guy that, you know, he he sees exactly what Tyler Scott's role is. Like I said, that is Justin Fields' deep threat. That is the guy that Justin Fields needed to show off that elite arm talent. They could have a special connection. I hope they are practicing as soon as possible because they could have a very special connection on the football field. And Roshan Johnson, I'm telling you, I, I you know, I, if you told me, get one of these guys, guarantee me one of these guys is going to be a multi-year starter for the Chicago Bears. Obviously, Darnell Wright's the easy pick, but if, if you wanted to pick any of the guys besides Darnell Wright, I'm picking Roshan Johnson next. I think he is that solid. I think he is that good. And even if he's just in the mix this year because of the crowded room, I think next year you will see Johnson as the starter and Khalil Herbert behind him as the second running back. And like I said, Homer's on a two-year deal. And I think that's your running back room next year if they don't re-sign Foreman, which with Johnson and Herbert in the mix, you probably wouldn't think they would. So a lot of interesting things happening with the Bears here. We got OTAs coming up. Hopefully we'll get a little insight. Obviously you never get a ton, but a little insight more onto this roster and what is going on and kind of how the Bears see things develop this season. We've got the NFL draft release com- or NFL schedule release coming up. Plenty going on. So we'll do it again soon with another Bears banter. Bear down, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Adios.